What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Welcome back, SBC fans and fanatics. I've got a special, special show for you today. Is it special? I don't know. I guess we'll find out if it's special, but it is a show. <laughs> I, I will give you that. And uh, today we're going to be taking a little peek into the Skybound G.I. Joe universe. And to do that, I've got my buddy Eric here with me. Eric, how are things? I'm doing well. Thanks, Mark. Thanks for Illum- having me. Illumi- but it, we should say this on your byline. Illuminati level patron here, Eric. One of our very That's first right. patrons and uh, one of our highest level patrons. So... So I, I have a question. Is it is mm-hmm. it Illuminati or is it Illuminati to follow it can, it suit can, with it our should be it should be Illuminati. It should absolutely I'm be. Gonna, you know what? Remzo's not here, but I'm gonna make an executive decision. It is now Illuminati. Yes. I love it. I love it. I'm a proud member. To find out about all our tiers for supporting the SBC Comics Club, go over to Patreon, patreon.com slash second print pod. It still says pod. Changing URLs is a whole thing. So we're not gonna do that, but we are gonna tell you to go there and check it out because you could you too could be an Illuminati, just like Eric. <laughs> Uh, but Eric, we came together today because uh, I know you and I have both been getting into the Skybound Energon universe featuring some of our uh, beloved childhood characters in the Transformers yeah. and G.I. Joe universe. Uh, so we're going to look at some of those books today. But first, to set us up, as I, as I like to do here, why don't you tell us about a little bit of your own uh, history with the franchises, so to speak? Yeah, I mean, so the, the ones that we're covering today are going to be Duke and Cobra Commander. So those are both from the G.I. Joe universe. Um, I am a, probably a longtime fan of G.I. Joe. I mean, I picked that up in the 80s, having been you know born in the 80s. Uh, it's one of the cartoons that I first watched. Uh, it's very, very near and dear to my heart. Uh, and I had picked up some of the comics when I was uh, first collecting. And I you know just followed it kind of off and on. Never really a serious collector. Um, you know, when I started picking up comics again, that's some, a book that I kind of picked up a couple of the older issues of. Um, and then when I heard that Skybound was putting out this whole Energon universe that brought together Transformers and G.I. Joe and potentially some others, I, I got really excited and just had to kind of dive in with issue one on each one. And I've been pleasantly surprised so far. Little spoiler right up front. Spoiler alert. So... Did you, which, which GI Joe, was it like the Larry Hamill ones that you bought when you were younger? Or do you not even know? Cause I know a yeah. lot of stuff flew, flew in and out of the collection over the years. <laughs> a whole lot did, but a lot of the early ones that I had were the, the Larry Hamill books uh, from the eighties. So I definitely had a couple of those earlier issues. Do you still have any of those or do those find their way out as many? Do yeah, you know? no, I have, I have, I have a couple of those. Oh. Um, I have, I have GI Joe like number two, number three. Oh, uh, what, from the are early those 80s. worth a pretty penny on the business side of things? Uh, you know, I haven't really looked into that because you haven't looked into it. In my, you those are staying people? in my collection. Because you'd rather not know. You'd rather not, not even be tempted. Well, you know, there's certain books that stay in my collection, so I don't. Uh, I don't look up the value of it. It's just um, not even a. It's yeah, a line exactly you don't cross. Right. Once you cross exactly that line, right. even if you just start thinking about it, then it's like, well, hmm. Yeah, because if I see know, something you're in Vegas, you, betting the money ex- away. Exactly right. If I see something that I picked up for five dollars and I find out the value is like fifty, it's like. And I feel a little guilty about having it. It's like, well, it's worth like the, all this money. You know, maybe I should consider moving it when I really want to have it in my collection. I found myself kind of doing that kind of like double take with collecting and selling. So, you know, I try to keep what I want to keep, um, you know, separate from 
anything that I might be selling on the side. That's an interesting approach because as you know, I, you kind of helped me go through some of my collection yeah. recently and I have certain stuff I've pulled out that I'm thinking about getting graded, but, and I know I already looked at values and whatnot. And, and that of course it's kind of the point of getting graded is potentially have the value. But at the same time, I find the ones I'm picking out to get graded usually do come up with some sentimental value as well. So it's yeah. like, yeah, I kind of want to get it graded and display it, but I'm not going to grade it. I mean, the value might, I don't know if it's too high. I might, I might feel silly, like you said, keeping it, but I'm not actually doing it for, with that in mind, even though of course I want to know that, that it has more value, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Right. I mean, there's a lot of books that I have, um, as you know, that I've gotten graded that I just have for my own purposes. So for instance, one of those books is uncanny X-Men, uh, two which is, we covered that on the show. It's one of the ones where the X-Men fought the brood in that little storyline that we did. And that's the one where, where Wolverine's kind of shifting into the brood on the mm -hmm. cover. That really awesome Sylvester cover. Yeah. So I have that one. It's near and dear to my heart. It's one of the first books I ever read. And I have it signed by Claremont and Sylvester. And I have that graded. Uh, not because I think it's going to be worth anything, but because I want to have it displayed. Do you know I the value, even though you have the grade, or do you still not look at the value? I absolutely know what it's worth. It's okay. not worth what I paid for it. No, okay. So that, that's purely, that That actually would make business sense to not sell. <laughs> yeah, absolutely right. That is something that I'm keeping. It's for my personal collection. It is not something that until it went down to Megacon to get sold, uh, signed this past weekend, uh, that has left my possession or left my wall. Interesting. All right. So... We're going to talk about a couple of the first, well, they're not really the first books from the whole Energon universe. And it's, I was actually at your house when I first learned about this thing. Cause I didn't even really, I don't follow a lot of comic yeah. news necessarily. Sometimes I find about stuff like as it's coming out and you had this void rivals book and you know, a lot of, I'm going to, I'm going to do a side tangent here for a minute. A lot of people I find have been tainted by the whole wokeness and comic stuff and the backlash and the comics gate stuff that some people Unfortunately, and I'd like to, I'm, I'm speaking this to, to try to bring you out of the darkness because I have found myself in place like this in, in various, various things I've enjoyed in life. You, you, you learn to get so angry by what they're doing with the properties or you get into a cycle of hate to the point you can't even enjoy some things. And I did a video about myself enjoying these early issues from G.I. Joe, Duke number one and Cobra Commander number one, which we're going to talk about today. I wrote an article about it over, over at Bounding and I did a video on it. And, and a comment I saw more than one time was, I like it. I, I also like it, but you just know it's going to go woke because Robert Kirkman's involved in this and that. And it's like, if it's at the point where you can't enjoy something in advance because you're dreaming of how it might get bad, even though you agree it's good, you need to reassess what you're doing here. Now, if it actually goes woke or something like that, feel free to complain, but please don't complain about something that hasn't even occurred that has shown no indication of occurring other than the fact that Robert Kirkman oversees the universe overall. He is the head of Skybound within Image and acquired the property rights. Uh, sure. And yes, he's a big anti-Trump person, but I, look, I've read Invincible and there's some stuff in there I, on a second read that did, did stand out to me. I, I will admit that I, that didn't sit with me as well. Um, but again, I'll criticize that about the book if I want. Uh, so criticize the book is my only point. If you're, if you're going to read something, don't dream up future, you know, future things that you think are going to occur because of your preconceived notion about the writer. Let a creator create. If the creator crosses the line and brings his shit into it, feel free to blast away. But just don't do it in advance, all right? If you don't like a book, don't like a book. But if you like a book, don't dream up a scenario in the future that you're not going to like it. Because then you're then I would just say you're, you should be done with fanhood for a while. That's my reason. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. You know, and if if the creator does something you don't like, you know, but you like enjoying the book, 
don't let what that creator is doing obstruct your enjoyment of what they're creating. Sure. Uh, on the flip you know, side, if you agree with some creator and like their YouTube account or something like that, but don't like their book, feel free to crit- criticize that from a reasonable standpoint. But it's like everything has to be political and it's just maddening. You know, there can never be a criticism yeah. of the or, or appraisal either of the actual thing. So I, I that's, that's one of the reasons I came on with bounding and I wanted to get more out there is because I, I like to change that because at the end of the day, the reason we're even in the area to bitch about it in the first place, because we all love the properties in the beginning. Yeah. That's right. Anyway, speaking of loving these properties, uh, I as well, as I wrote about in that article at Bounding, I did grow up uh, hardcore nerd. Uh, even before I moved to Connecticut, when I was even younger, I mean, I was I was just toys galore. You know, it was basically my, my sister moved out when I was five, so I was spending a lot of time, uh, you know, making my own games and whatnot, watching cartoons. So it was the natural synergy of everything to have yep. all, my, all my different toys fighting each other. So when I found out that Robert Kirkman was putting this together and he was going to have this shared universe, I just thought that was the coolest thing because it's like... You're living out my five-year-old fantasies only in yeah. real life as an adult with money. The only thing missing from this universe is probably He-Man. I think more I than that, once that might be I too had much crossover into one universe. I think at one time, one point in time, I had Skeletor jumping in to fight my GI Joe action figures. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean, I, I had Hulk Hogan in there, and look, even GI Joe in the cartoon did this. They brought Sergeant Slaughter into the cartoon, which also, I mean. I was a wrestling fan, That's as true. you know, as well. So that was just like I was off the charts when they brought when they brought us. Very, Sergeant, very true. Sergeant. I wonder if we'll see Sarge in these comics. I imagine they'd have to separately get help. a license for him or something like that. But you know, if these guys, as we as we'll talk about, Joshua Williamson sounds like someone of our own heart, grew up with these cartoons, um, and I think that does show in the books that we're going to talk about today. But if he's really hardcore, he's going to want to get Sarge too. So I'm hoping it happens. What, what's he got uh, better to do than to sign some paperwork and make some money? Uh, write fifty more books a month. Yeah. I mean, he made like 25 bucks off of me and you or whatever it was uh, when we got a signature back in the day at the Danbury Fair Mall. So that's exactly so we know he's not he's not against sidekicks. (laughs) That's right. That's right. We need a little Papa Shango in these books, too, maybe. All right. Well, we are going to start off by looking at we're going to start off, I think, with Duke. I'm going to save Cobra Commander for for a second. So. We're going to talk about Duke number one. I may keep this out as a, as a free preview of what we do in the, in the comics club. Maybe I'll cut it off after the Duke number one talk. You and I, we kind of waited an extra day or two because we were both going to get Duke number two. So we'll talk a little bit, bit of Duke yeah. number two. And then in the second half of the show, we'll get into Cobra Commander. So if you are interested in reading these books and have not yet and don't want to be spoiled, this is the point where you stop the show and then you go get the books. You go read them. And then you come back. And if you're too lazy to do that, just don't say I didn't warn you. That's all I ask. And if you fell asleep and missed this part and then woke up in the middle of spoilers, well, I do apologize for putting you to sleep earlier or over the previous podcast that put you to sleep. So I can't yeah, do everything. Spoiler though. heavy, I believe. I can only do We're going to we're going to look at every damn panel. So yeah, it's going to be pretty spoiler heavy. Um, starting off. So just what were your expectations for this? Having seen what has come so far from Skybound, from the Energon universe, I think you and I have both enjoyed Transformers or your impressions yep. on Void Rivals. I liked it, but I didn't, I wouldn't say it blew me away. It seemed to me like what I would call like a decent Robert Kirkman style book. Yeah. Void Rivals to me was a little confusing. Um, it took me a little while to figure out how it fit into the whole Energon universe. You know, in the first issue you had i think it was Jetfire or one of the the plane decepticons i believe uh made an appearance but then you didn't see anyone for another couple of issues so that one kind of confused me up until recent issues as to where that fit into the whole universe so for these books particularly you know duke and cover commander i came in with a bit of skepticism um i didn't want to get my hopes up too high 
because uh, I didn't want to end up being disappointed by them. You know, Joshua Williamson was coming over. I like a lot of what Joshua Williamson does, but he's laid a couple of eggs, you know? So that happens when you write as many books a month as he does. So, you know, I kind of tried to come in with some healthy skepticism on this, but, you know, I was still pretty excited. I got to say, all the, the Joshua Williamson stuff that I've checked out from DC, I mean, I think most of his stuff I would call at, at, at worst, not that bad. Right, no, not at worst. At, at worst, really, at worst, bad. But at best, not that bad. Um, nothing blowing away. But I'd say more of his stuff is, is I've complained about less Joshua Williamson than I've complained about a lot of people. Let's put it that way. I complained about Chip Zdarsky's Batman more than I've complained about Joshua Williamson. But I will say uh, Dark Crisis sucked. And it was really dumb. And I and I know that he was the writer, but I also know that that he is some of these these bigger DC events. These are being put together and pushed by DC editorial and whatnot. Yeah. And there's there's other factors not not to excuse things that I don't agree with or whatever. I'll I'll criticize the book. I think I did in, in back in the day a year or two you know, yeah. whenever whenever it came out. Uh, but the point is, this is a chance to see Joshua Williamson. I don't want to say unleash. He's still working underneath Kirkman for the, towards the greater vision of this universe, but certainly in a different environment, which I haven't seen at all yet. Yeah. And he, he said he had these stories, I think written back when he was like a kid for Cobra he commander. Said he said that specifically. Yeah. Oh, for Cobra commander. Okay. So for, you know, for a lot of these, you know, he, he grew up knowing these properties and being a fan of these properties. So, you know, having someone be a fan of the property, writing it, hopefully you're going to get something good and something true to the characters. Um, you know, and I think what we get out of Duke is we get, you know, pretty unique spin um, on the character. All right. Well, why don't we dive right into Duke? And this one, as we mentioned, written by Joshua Williamson, art by Tom Riley. Were you familiar with Tom Riley's art at all? Not at all. I don't think Me I either. had been familiar with him prior to this book. And uh, we'll discuss the art as we go, I suppose. But uh I will just say, starting off, I had already seen these pages a couple times because these were in uh, previews of a couple Transformers okay. books. Uh, so I'd already seen these pages, but they start off like somewhat generic in the sense that we're just kind of getting like a recap of, of who Duke is, seeing him at training camp, seeing him, you know, doing heroic things, saving babies and villagers and flying fighter jets and whatnot, uh, you know, hero shit. But then it's not long before we realize, okay, this is not really a celebration of Duke necessarily in this recap. Uh, Duke is pretty much being interrogated and scolded uh, by yeah. Hawk, by Colonel Hawk, another familiar name of, of G.I. Joe fans. Uh, do you remember the whole weird thing with Hawk in the cartoons where it started out like they were they were on the same level, but then suddenly like in one season, Hawk was just a general and they didn't explain it and he was the boss? Uh Yeah. I, I, I do recall that. Yeah. That he just all of a sudden became, you know, commander of GI Joe. Why that was, that was like, that was like the rock showing up to Cody Rhodes main event. I feel like he, he just inserted himself into another role. They didn't explain it and they did. They just moved right along. Um, I think that's but, right. Uh, but, but Duke is being scolded because now this is where we need to also spoil transformers. Number two for anyone that has not gone and read the, the Skybound uh, transformers from Daniel Warren Johnson, which I'm absolutely loving. Uh, well, we're going to spoil that too, but we already gave you spoiler warning. So I'm giving you another layer of spoiler. If you thought you didn't care about having Transformers spoiled, but did care about G.I. Joe. Here we go. We're spoiling the entire Energon universe almost here. And uh, they are going over the the incident that occurred in Transformers number two when what seemed like a random scene. And I remember even reading that Transformers number two. I'm like, oh, why do I, why am I getting a scene of like, why are they bothering having Starscream fight this like random fighter pilot, like for a couple of pages, that seems like a waste of space until yeah. you realize you see the guy coming away and you realize, oh, I almost got the song in my head when I, I was, oh my God, that's, 
That's Duke. Then they, I think they even showed his name tag or something to, to really they put did. it on they the showed his, They yeah. showed his name tag. Yeah, and then you go, aha, Duke. And what I love about this scene here is that from the get-go, I mean, from, from issue one, and this is something I liked about the G.I. Joe book. Um, uh, this is a, uh, we got a flashback courtesy of Eric here. Is that Transformers number two? Is that the actual issue? Or is this from no, this is uh, oh, Duke that's number one. Book. Yep, that's from this book. Um, what I liked, what I talked about in my article over at Bounding is that I, I really liked some of the shades of gray stuff. And GI Joe had a lot of that. Even there was a lot of like fighting within the in ranks of GI Joe, uh, especially in the GI Joe, the movie Cobra commander yeah. kind of, there was all this ascension within Cobra. I mean, it was, it was very complicated for what you would normally have is pretty straightforward stuff. Uh, same with transformers, you know, all the drama with star sort of always conniving, uh, against Megatron and whatnot. Ironic because I loved Cobra commander and star both played by the same actor whose name I do mention in the article, but do I think it's Christopher Collins. I want to say, Something like I that. I don't remember. Same, but same yeah, voice you, actor. You did have a lot of nuance in in those different teams. Very and a surprising lot of, amount. You know, internal strife. You know, more so in GI Joe on the villain side, right? You had, yeah. um, you know, Destro, Cobra Commander. You had the Dreadnoughts, um, led by Zartan. Mm-hmm. So you had a whole bunch of different players who were all up to no good, um, going up against the Joes, and then you had, you know, some of the Joes not necessarily agreeing with you know, the ways that they were going about dealing with Cobra and the, and the other villains that they fought. Mm -hmm, Indeed. So uh, in this scene, it's quickly, we're quickly seeing that Hawk is like this, this version of authority that is representing the establishment, representing the government. He's basically telling Duke he's crazy. Didn't see what he sees. And Duke is like traumatized. I mean, he's having flashbacks in the middle of this thing. As, as Eric showed you there, this is his two page flashback that he had with Starscream. And if you think about this in real life, you know, and we're so used to comics and uh, cartoons and where crazy things happen. And then people are just like, all right, well, I guess we're going to go deal with that. This crazy thing uh, with just talking robots. Um, the fact that Duke is so clearly traumatized and I think Starscream actually did kill his companion here. So he saw someone get murdered. Not only did he lose the life of a friend and companion, as he, he makes clear in this, he was just getting a lift from him. Um, and he's, but he, he saw a fucking transforming murderous robot. I mean, that is like, you would be traumatized, especially if your boss and someone you trust is gaslighting you the whole time, telling you, you didn't fucking see that. So I love that from the beginning, we're seeing like, this is a complex story and it does tie in. It makes perfect sense. And it ties into the greater universe. What were your thoughts of this initial introduction to Duke in the scene? You know, I thought this is, this is really great. This is a really cool introduction to Duke. Um, it, it made a lot of sense tying this into Transformers the way it did. You know, I was wondering how they were going to play this off into the, into the Duke series. You know, especially when you see how big of a contrast it is between the Transformers cartoon and the Transformers comic. Um, you know, you've got a lot more brutality in the Transformers comic. You see really what a what a masochist Starscream is and how much he really enjoys hurting others. And in this particular comic, you know, what Duke sees in front of him is not only does he see Starscream transform from a uh, jet plane into a giant robot, but he also smashes Duke's friend, you know, his friend right in front of him between his hands and just laughs about it. Oh, yeah, I, I left that out. Is that not, not only does he kill him, he it's the way he kills him. It's particularly oh, yeah. it's brutal. Uh, particularly disturbing. It's particularly brutal. And and the glee at which Starscream uh, displays after the murder is, I mean, you're not going to forget. You're not just going to move on and just go yeah. show up at work the next day. That's exactly right. And and Duke is clearly very traumatized by that. I think the storytelling here and the art 
especially kind of shows that in his face. He looks like a beaten man mm-hmm. in these panels. Yeah. And I, I, I do believe now we'll kind of talk about the timeline here. Cause it's not exactly clear where everything takes place in the GI Joe, uh, you know, transformers timeline. I imagine some of these connections will be more clear as the, the greater universe yeah. uh, plays out. But to me, it seems like this is a few months after that incident in transformers number two. Uh, cause it, it also seems like there's kind of the word is kind of out as we'll, as we'll get into about, uh, the existence of the transformers, but still, it's still sort of, well, as we'll see quite literally, this is, this, this is transitions right to the next scene. Oh, okay. Well, actually they give us a timeline here. This is six months later. So this particular yeah. scene was like probably right after the incident or shortly after the incident. And now we're fa- fast forwarding uh, six months later. And this is where we see that this is a topic of conversation. Uh, it, it seems like Duke is basically going to what seems like a conspiracy theorist convention. Is that, yeah. is that the impression you got here? That exactly. Exactly what I got. There's a bunch of, uh, of people spewing a lot of different conspiracy theories, um, you know, all in one place. It, it looks like it might be a fun place to go visit. Yeah. And people are, are like referencing some things that like did happen in the transformers book. Like it's one guy you hear a voice seeing saying uh, on the freeway, this massive truck, it just, it just stood up. Some, somebody else is saying it's a secret society in the ice, man. Uh, they abducted me, took me up to the ships. There's, there's a mix of like wacky sounding stuff and yeah. some stuff that we actually know did take place in this universe, which at this point, who, who are we to judge what sounds wacky in a world of what's so special about hero bread, soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas. These ultra low net carb baked goods can contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. You know, transforming space robots. Yeah, and they have, and they have a bunch of uh, books stacked, kind of like for, for different reading material. And one of them, if you if you look at the, the books, is one of them is called Mindbender. Yeah, so it's I It's kind I of a reference that. to Dr. Mindbender, which I thought was kind of cool. Um, so yeah, this is, this is a neat introduction to where, where Duke's going. Well, I mean, that's part of this too. They, they show, um, as Duke is driving into DC for this, this convention or what have you, they, they show a stack of books on his seat. One of them is a UFO book of some kind. Uh, and then next to that is that Mindbender book. So that's, that's, it's a tie into Mindbender, but it also shows us who Duke is now. Like this incident turned Duke into a fucking conspiracy theorist. Like this guy has been going down rabbit holes and now he's driving to this convention in DC. So I, I don't know. I mean, I think, I think Hawk put him on leave or something like that in the previous scene. So I think, I think Duke has just been like, I mean, they're showing us books, but this is 2024. He's been on some YouTube rabbit holes. He's been watching some nine hour documentaries about, cause you know, if this really happened in real life, if there was a real incident where some people saw the transforming robots, there would be, movies all there would be conspiracy documentaries galore and podcasts about this shit and i I believe duke has been going down now he's going a hardcore you know you're hardcore when you're not content with the online Mm -hmm. content and you're you're purchasing you're spending hundreds i'm not saying this has ever happened to me i'm saying you find yourself purchasing hundreds of dollars of books on amazon and next thing you know you have more books than you can read i'm just saying this is all hypothetical but it seems like this has happened to duke and i just i just love this introduction of this character who's been so so completely transformed from what he was, which was just a good soldier, as we see in the opening yeah. scene, to just to a conspiracy nut, or well, who would be conceived as a conspiracy nut? Yeah, that, that, that is that's exactly exactly right. So I, I took some notes here, um, you know, on how Duke looks. Mm-hmm. Little, he Duke looks kind of like Mark. Oddly, Blair. reminds me of Mark Flair. He <laughs> does a little bit, right? I'm more recently <laughs> shaved actually than Duke, but he looks like how I how I'm typically rolling. Yeah, so it's very. Uh, I think, you, no I think you need some licensing here. If there's one, yeah. by the way, forget Sergeant Slaughter. Well, me and him will they'll we'll approach uh, Robert Kirkman together if he's not busy going off on Trump or something. So, um, yeah, and she. So he goes to meet this particular uh, this particular scientist, Doctor Adele Burkhart. 
Do you, do you think this is made up or is there any Joe I Joe tie into that name? I don't know if there is. I, I, I didn't, I didn't recognize it. Um, I did, I did a little quick, quick search, not, not a deep dive. Oh, all right. So kind just of research, a random, I didn't find anything. Just a random character, it seems. And, and obviously, so this lady is like, I guess, I think she's probably speaking at this conference or what have you, and is, had already planned this meeting with Duke. So, um, through yeah. Duke's, you know, looking into this event, he has come across all sorts of stuff. And I guess he came into contact with this doctor, this doctor Adele Burkhart, who has her own theories on, on what's been going on here. Um, yeah, and she has so when they when they move on. So I think this is her party. I think this is her her house because later on in the book we kind of come back to it. So I think this is Dr. Adele Burkhart's house, and she kind of like opens up this secret latch that opens up a larger room where she has a lot of her more hidden research. And what do we find is she has a whole lot of blueprints um, of advanced what looks like advanced weaponry. Um, to me, it looks like it's you know, stuff that might be, uh, that might be designed after or designed for Cobra. It reminded me of those toys when I first saw them. That was the first thing I thought when I looked at it, I was like, this looks like, you know, a toy that I had when I was a kid. Um, I do remember a very specific tank that Cobra commander had. And I, yeah. wonder, I do wonder if that little tank bottom there is going to eventually pay itself off. And what's great it about might. these books too, is like, if, if you grew up with these toys and these cartoons, you're going to notice a lot of little things that we'll, we'll you know, point out here. But if you didn't, this is just a cool story. You know, it's cool either. You don't need the stuff. It's just, it's yeah. just Easter eggs for people like us. Oh yeah. And, and it's, it's smattered throughout, you know, that mind bender book. And then there's, there's more throughout, you know, in the transformers books, they had like little throwbacks to, I don't want to spoil some of the the newer Transformers books, but they, you know, have certain weapons that appear like in the new Transformers book. Yes. Um, and you're like, ah, I know whose that is. <laughs> yeah. And she's, she's sewing off like these blueprints of this, this new technology and she's pretty much comparing it. She's saying it's like the new apple from the tree of knowledge. And there is a snake hoping someone takes a bite out of it. So there another sort of, intentional or not well, i'm sure it's intentional from the writing side but i don't know if it's intentional from dr burkhart she's just probably yeah. making the analogy but a little ra- a little a little seed planting for for some cobra action there absolutely and uh yeah, duke just comes right out and says it he's like yeah i saw a lot i thought i'd seen it all then i saw a robot in the sky and everyone said i was crazy and it made me question everything and and again what duke emphasizes here which really drives home the conspiracy theory aspect conspiracy theorist aspect he's not yeah, of course he's disturbed by robot in the sky. But what's driving him here is that everyone's telling me he's nuts and he didn't see that thing. And he's like, I don't know what's going on, but I saw that shit. So he's yeah. he's on a mission. And I mean, it, but this really helps drive home the character of Duke that yes, he's a good soldier when called into action and he'll do the right thing. We saw that in the opening montage, but he's his own man. And when he gets on a mission, he's on his mission. Yeah, it's, he's very determined individual, really wants to, you know, fight for what's right, you know, and what he believes right. Uh, no matter what other people are telling him. So, you know, we've got a very determined guy here, like you said. Um, so. So much so that he's uh, not at all afraid to break the law because immediately she tells him that she's tracked some of this technology to this place called Mars Industries. And Duke's like, oh, I could break in there. No problem. Uh, so Duke goes and just does corporate espionage and, uh, you know, breaking and entering right away. Uh, and, you know, he kind of messes with some of the cameras. Yeah, he messes with like the wiring on some of the cameras. This ain't, this ain't Duke's first rodeo, but you know that he's done this for like the special, oper- you know, special strike forces and the CIA or what have you. So, you know, it's like, hey, fair enough, man. You guys trained him to do this shit. So that's right. Turn around his fair play. He's, he's using it. And then we get this really, uh, 
what I think is a really cool spread when he get, breaks into the facility. Yes. You know, he is, comes, he kind of comes around the corner and he sees channel. all the weapons, um, you know, that are right out of the designs that Dr. Burkhart had. These are right out, right out of those blueprints. I mean, like if you just yeah. glance at this stuff, some of it, at least like in the center, maybe you're like, Oh, this just looks like normal tanks and stuff. But then if you look to the side, some of them look kind of weird. Then if you look up, do you see up to the upper left? There's like some robot type shit up there. Oh yeah, almost I didn't. Like, I didn't notice like, this before. It looks like some like, uh, little meccas. Yeah, exactly. So there's, there's, and and those helicopters are not your normal. Hel- it is like you pointed out. It's all Cobra toys. You know, it's all, all shit Cobra we've toys. Seen. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I think I owned uh, quite a number of these uh, when I was a kid. <laughs> And, and he's just like, oh, what are they? I mean, he recognizes it as weapons, but he and then he has like a flashback. He sees a part of the ship and he recognize he kind of like recognize or he flashes back to Starscream. I don't know if he necessarily saw something specific, but it, the technology reminded him of that. If nothing else, I don't know. It's supposed to be actually be a part of Starscream or not. I suppose it could be because we don't know what happens to Starscream six months ago because we're sort of in, yeah. in shifted timelines here. I think he's just having a I think he's just having a flashback. I think so, too. You know, I don't PTSD. think PTSD. I think so, too. Yeah, there's no um, other resemblance there. So this big muscly dude that was uh, Mars. I like how Mars industry security wears like, you know, a tank top and a skin tight suit. But he this guy gets nice. into a fight with Duke. And you think like Duke kind of handles this guy, but then he's just overwhelmed and and he gets totally gets he basically just gets captured. And <clears throat> then we do see. What, first of all, what do you think about this fight scene? You know, he kind of gets overwhelmed, but still holds his own with the big guy. But then he just gets taken down by, well, a real big punch to the stomach and immediately gets oh, yeah. captured. Did you expect him to just totally fail in his mission? <laughs> um, you know, I, I, I thought it would be a little too convenient if he broke in, snuck in and snuck out, especially to Mars Industries. I mean, I recognize Mars right away. That's Destro's, mm-hmm. you know, little weapons company. So... You know, it, it didn't surprise me that he got captured, but to be so overwhelmed by that, you know, was 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 kind of surprising and to fail so quickly. And I like to it, it shows that this, just these guys aren't a total joke either, because if the first time we see him encounter Mars Industries or whatever, and it just goes down like it's a normal company you, you break into, um, then it's it's going to make them seem really lame. So, you know, yeah. they're on top of their shit. They're not going to let some guy just break in. Uh, but then we see, uh, well, you mentioned him a minute ago. They don't show they keep him in the shadows. But I mean, if you if you know G.I. Joe, you get Destro. What do you think about Destro and his his crazy throne room here? Dude, I love it. If That's I was so cool. if I was an evil terrorist with that owned a big multinational company, this might be a type of throne room that I'd want to have. I mean, there's some cool shit in here. There's some weird sort of like what what what's that thing called where you put someone inside it and there is an Iron with, Maiden. The Iron Maiden. Yeah, he's got an Iron Maiden and we actually get a close up of the Iron Maiden. So I wonder I don't know what that's if that's you know supposed to be you know foreshadowing anything or not. Yeah, uh, hopefully not. <laughs> but this is where we get the logic of like why he lets Duke go because he says like, dude, this is like a this is like a highly decorated son of a bitch here. Like we can't just like kill this guy. So uh, we're just gonna let him go, and he's gonna go talk about this stuff. And what's he gonna do? Say that he broke into this company? Like so? It, actually, Destro showing that they're not they're smart. They got their shit together, and they're not barbarians. Like he's gonna do the smart thing, not the uh, not the dumb criminal thing, which would be to bring a bunch of heat on them. He's gonna just let him go because he broke into your place. You didn't do anything yeah. wrong by by taking care of him. Yeah, Destro's no dummy. No, he's not. He was and, always the smarter one in the cartoon too. So then Duke, uh, Duke's like, all right, well, but he said he saw this stuff. It's, it's proof. I think he's calling Dr. Burkhart and then he gets to her house and 
The only thing I didn't like here, I mean, yeah, there's a, there's a massacre. Is this her house or where she was like talking to these? Because there's a bunch of people dead here. Yeah, I think this is I think this is her house. This is where all the people were gathered. Oh, okay. Um, they, like, they for went that, for, an for after that party, convention, yeah. Uh, they were just still hanging out. Maybe it's just a house for conspiracy theorists. Who knows? I thought it was a little silly that that she was the only one just alive enough to kind of talk to him right before she dies. But you know, so be uh, it. I mean, you got to move the story around somehow. Fair enough. And he said, and she's, he's like saying, Dr. Burkhardt, what happened? He said, well, a man, he said he was a believer. He flew all the way from Australia. Now, does this, does this set off any, anything in your mind that the reference to Australia? Um, Australia, it could, it could be what Zartan. I, I believe the dreadnoughts were Australian, right? Were they not? They had the accents. They had accents that appeared i just watched the jj of the movie recently in the last couple of weeks and yeah. they were i mean they're australian accents i don't know if they're supposed to be but they they were so I, I wonder if that is if that is a reference to who might have actually participated in this physical act yeah that that's this could be my guess uh because of something that's alluded to in one of the other books we're going to be looking at exactly which we will discuss in a bit um but she says you know that he took everything he took my research but he missed this um and she says she tries to hand him this you know this phone or whatever she says just don't let this fall into the wrong hands just find the truth at which point boom these i guess cops do they do break in but they he you know he tries to give himself up he's like hey i'm on the same side and they they say he's got a gun and they just start shooting at duke and this is where the first thing yeah. I see, the first thing I think to myself when I see this, I was like, this is going to be so dumb. He's going to run away from all these guys shooting at him and he's going to get off and be, and be scot-free. And what do we get? It turned the page. All right. At least he got shot. You know, I was so happy he got shot. Not happy. I don't want Duke to be harmed, but, but it would have been just normal. I mean, this is what's so different about this book than the cartoon, normal cartoons. Like nobody actually gets shot ever. Like no one even gets hit. Like they just, they're just pew, 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 pew. But here Duke is, is hurt. Now you could argue he probably should have gotten shot more than just the one time in the arm with those like 80 guys shooting at him. But we'll, uh, I'll, I'll let it go. Look, compared to the cartoon, him yeah. getting hit once. We, is can't, we can't have our guy die. So, right. you know, what are we going to do here? Uh, then Duke is basically like, all right, well now I'm on, he, this is where the narration makes clear. Now he has a mission. He'll never stop. Nothing will get in his way. So that is pretty much our intro to Duke, but we do get a little bit of an epilogue. We see, uh, Colonel Hawk as is kind of just, he's call, he's on the phone with someone who is the, do you know who the chick is here? The female, uh, her name's Krieger. Do you remember I, her? I, I or was she a new don't character? Know who, I don't know who that is either. I think she's a new character, but she's someone, I'm not sure if she's above Hawk or in the same level, but He's basically saying, he says, if we want to bring down the best, if we want to track an American hero, we get American heroes. And then we turn and we see a preview of issue two. Who's going to be going after our man, Duke? It's Stalker and Rock and Roll. And rock and Roll. And Rock and Roll. Either of these favorites of yours when you were a kid? Uh, you know, I liked, uh, I liked Rock and Roll. Um, you know, so favorites for me were probably Rock and Roll of Roadblock. Um, you know, I liked Duke. Um, I and think then Roadblock a lot of the, was actually my number one. Yeah. And Sarge, but he wasn't a regular. Yeah, Sarge. <laughs> had to love had to love Sergeant Slaughter. I mean, couldn't couldn't go wrong with him. And then on, on Cobra's side, you know, Cobra Commander, Destro, uh, or some of her Baroness. Baroness. Very good. Indeed. So um any more thoughts on, on this particular issue? Then we can grade this one and uh we'll we'll move on to number two of Duke. Yeah, no, I thought this was an excellent um kind of go into a little bit of the grading. I thought this was an excellent introduction to where they're going with this storyline and where Duke is in his current mental state. Um, you know, after having seen one of his best friends get crushed by a gigantic 
maniacal robot. Yeah, and that's like the kind of realism you just don't often get, not just in the cartoons. We don't often get that in in normal comics is really focusing on the the traumatic change in who Duke is. Because, I mean, just just from this single issue, you get to realize like Duke is massively transformed by this um, and he's he's a good soldier, but he's not just someone who's going to sit back, especially when he's being gaslighted so freaking clearly into his face, like being told he didn't really see a giant maniacal robot squish his friends and laugh about it. I mean, you can't, I mean, if you made that up then you got bigger problems. So, uh, I mean, he's pretty sure he didn't, he didn't just imagine that and he's, uh, he's acting like it. Yeah. And they they made it very clear. You're getting a different Duke here from the one that you knew, you know, as a kid or from the other comics, you're getting a much, much different. I think Joshua Wilson might talk about in this I know I read so many articles and letters pages, but yeah, they do kind of make it clear. Like this is not, look, we got two, we almost have two GI Joe universes now because they are, they did restart the Larry Hamill book uh, at number 300 and it's its own thing. It's I'd say it's kind of more like the cartoon, but not really. I mean, it's, it's it's just different. It's a very different feel, different tone. I'm kind of enjoying that as its own thing. Uh, But this, this is a very different Duke than you get in that book. And the characters are very different. Even if you can, of course, absolutely recognize them at their core. Oh yeah. Yeah. All right. So what do you think yeah, about the grade for, for, for Duke here? I want to, I want to hear your thoughts on the whole thing. All right. First. I will go first. How about that? So, uh, story-wise, I thought, like, I, like I've said, I thought this was a very, very good introduction. Um, you know, I really enjoyed it. You know, you kind of got the, the mindset that he's in after seeing what happened and, you know, you're starting to piece together a little bit of the puzzle, you know, nobody's discovered Mars industries yet and their connections to the larger, um, threat if Cobra is even a thing right now. We don't we don't know that um, in this particular part of the GI Joe universe. So for story, I'm going very high. I can't recommend this enough story wise. This is a four point five for me. Well, you could recommend it more, technically speaking. I could, but I'm not gonna. Is there uh, <laughs> any? What held you back from a full five? Just the fact that that's a high standard. Uh, it's a, it's a very very high standard. Um, giving it a perfect score. Um, you know, I thought there was some elements that could have been driven a, a little bit further, some stuff that could have been explained a little bit more, but, you know, for an intro book, but it was very good. The art in this, I found very expressive. I really love Tom Riley's style in here. It's very, uh, it's got this like retro gritty kind of style to it that I haven't seen um, in too many other books. I don't, I, I'm not sure how to describe it other than what we were showing. It's, it's really cool. Um, I'm also giving this art a 4.5. I really liked it. I thought it was fitting for the style of the book, for the content of the book. So I'm giving Duke number one, a nine. I highly, highly recommend reading this. Wow. That's, that's quite a grade. Um, I'm going to say, man, it's, it's hard to judge, you know, if we're going to be fair, a first issue can only be so much because it's not going to complete the story. It's only going to set things up and judging based on that, I I'm going to, I'm right there with you on the writing. It's a 4.5. Um, I'll take off a half a point. Cause yeah, that's too many bullets to not die, but all right, but at least he got hit hit. So that's why you only got a half a point taken off and not a full point. Um, I, I don't know what more I could have really asked for to, I mean, cause I wasn't necessarily, I, I'm pretty in on transformers, but I wasn't necessarily going to be, collecting either of these books per se, uh, I was going to check out number one and, and see if they interested me. So Joshua Williamson's job here was to take the expectations that I, I wanted to be, I'm ready to be sucked into this, but you got to give me something. And he gave me something. He gave me a different kind of Duke than I'd ever seen before by far, uh, gave me and gave me a, 
honestly a more mature comic, even though we're talking yeah. about, uh, you know, giant robots and, and ostensibly silly things. It's, it's treated in a very serious way while still kind of having a lighthearted feel in a weird, in an odd way. Not, not lighthearted. Ha ha, but you know, it, it doesn't feel dark necessarily. Yeah, that's right. This book, this book was an absolute banger. It was, yeah. it was a lot of fun. It was just, it was a great fun read and you could, you could get through it really quickly. This was a fast read. Total banger. And so I'm, I'm also giving the writing a 4.5. When I first picked up the book, when I first saw the preview images, I was kind of like meh about the art. I was like, oh, that's okay. This is one of those books, which I find does happen sometimes with new, with artists whose style I'm not familiar with. It really grew on me as I went along to the point where I start off thinking this is fine. I think by the end of the book, I couldn't imagine, I wouldn't want any other artists doing this. I mean, it, it grew on me and that that speaks a lot. Cause usually if I'm yeah. not blown away by art in the beginning, I usually stay about where I'm I am. If I think it's okay, I usually think it's okay by the end. This, by the end, I was loving the art more and more as it went on almost to the, I almost felt like it was on purpose. Like he gave us some sort of basic stuff in the beginning, but uh, I think all the expressiveness like you said that stands out um the expressions on the face like you could feel duke's like torture and and trauma yeah. from, from um from the flashback scene and and like some of it was just spectacular like the two-page spread of the flashback scene in tom riley's art i mean it was a lot better than what we got in transformers where it was just done yeah. in one one small panel so we got that scene sort of expanded uh this art kicked ass i'm, I'm going 4.5 we're, we're totally in sync here this this puppy's a nine duke number one yeah uh, absolutely uh, SPC score of 18. So either way you look at it, divide that by two, either way, it's all the same. Yeah, Nine out. I know, I know we usually don't give much credit to, you know, the colorist, but Jordi Belair did the coloring on this. I, and, it probably does need to be credited a lot more for sure. And I, and I think specifically for this book, like the, the way the color was used um, kind of like added to that expressive tone, because when Duke went into that, into the house, if with the murder scene, everything went red. Right. So you could tell something really, really bad happened yeah. before yeah. you even saw, you know, the gruesome interior where there were just bodies all over the place. Indeed. So. All right. Well, well, if you're listening and you are a member of the club, keep listening. But if you're not, I think we're going to end this right here. I'm going to thank you for listening anyway, because look, we love you all. We love you here talking about comics. But if you do want more, if you do want to dive deeper, as Eric and I are about to do, we're going to talk Duke number two, and we're going to talk Cobra Commander number one. You got to join the SPC Comics Club. Head over to patreon.com slash second print pod. Inflation doesn't affect these prices, my friends. This should be, this is, you're getting 2020 prices here for the SPC Comic Club. Still five bucks a month. Of course, we go up from there. You can even be a very naughty, naughty Illuminati if you so choose. Um, Check them all out. Patreon.com slash second print pod. We'll see you over there. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today.